Welcome to Christ Community Church Online. Thanks for joining us for service this weekend. I'm Sarah. And I'm Andrea, and we are so excited to be hosting today's service. 
First, if you're watching this during our online weekend service, be sure to use our chat feature to say a quick hello to our hosts and let us know that you're here. Yes, and even though we're your hosts on camera, we have amazing people monitoring our chat right now. The chat feature is a great tool to connect and engage with other viewers while watching service. As part of our local outreach effort, we launched a series of monthly informational Zoom meetings called Local Leaders on Mission. These consist of discussing all local outreach opportunities, progress, and issues. We're meeting again this Thursday, October 15th at 7 p.m. and we'll be hearing from Derek Fritz, who is with Olmstead County's Health, Housing, and Human Services. If you're interested in joining our Zoom meeting, please email Dave Allen at dallen at cccrochester.org. We hope to see you there. As we get ready to worship, we invite you to take this opportunity to stand to your feet and worship our King. Yes, let's put our hands together and lift our voices in praise to the Lord. Well, we're so glad that you're joining us in worship today. And as you can see, we have a new environment. We are back in our sanctuary, and we are so excited to be here. Months ago, when COVID first hit, and uh, we had to figure out how to do worship, we were online immediately and hadn't seen people for quite some time. So there were many weekends where this team and I were visualizing all those people out there that we knew were out there, putting faces and names that we've seen for years, and uh, knowing that we were worshiping together and building that community, even though it just looked a lot different. And today I want to do something a little bit different for those of you in our online service. And I want you to stand up wherever you are. So that's right, if you stood up and somebody next to you is not standing, I want you to turn to them and help them to stand up. And we're going to do something that reminds us of the community that we belong to, the church that we belong to, and we're going to read together. So I have a scripture on the bottom of of your screen, and I just ask that you read it out loud along with me, and it comes from Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5. Let's read this together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.
that we're gathered together and that we're worshiping and hearing from your word together today is because we want to change and we want to be different. And some of us right now in this place are in the middle of a fire where we feel like it's hot. We want to get out. But God, we know that's where the refining happens. You are molding us to be something that reflects your face purer than it did the day before. And sometimes that's uncomfortable and that hurts. But God, in this place right now, we offer ourselves to you to be refined and to be restored and renewed so that when we come together as a community, whether in person or online, we're together as one voice we cry out that you saved us. You are mighty. And when we give ourselves over completely to be refined in that moment, God, we trust you and we put our hope in you and we claim your name. We're so grateful today that we can do that in freedom. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. For those of you just now tuning in, I'm Sarah. And I'm Andrea. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Part of Christ Community's DNA is sending and supporting missions around the world to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can join us in this and worship through your giving. We invite you to take this opportunity to click the give link on your screen. We are grateful for your generosity. If you're new to joining us, thank you for tuning into our online church experience today. We are thrilled to welcome you to our church. We invite you to take this moment to fill out our online connection card. It's a great way for us to help get you connected here at CCC. Click on the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post, or you can click request prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected that way too. 
We are continuing to pray for each of you, and we would love to join with you today in lifting up your specific needs and praises. We can be confident that God hears us when we come before him. If you would like prayer at any time during the service, our hosts are available on our streaming service through the request prayer feature. There are many opportunities to receive prayer throughout the week too. You can check these out in the prayer section of our website. Thanks again for tuning into Christ Community Church Online. Now here's the message from Greg. Hey, welcome to Christ Community Church. My name is Greg. We're going to be doing something just a little bit different today. And um, I have a special guest that you'll be meeting in just a moment. But I want to start off by reading from... Uh, John 13, a story that you are probably very, very familiar with. It says that Jesus, before the Passover feast, he knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of their love. And so if you look at this text a little bit earlier, the disciples are fighting a little bit about who's the most important. And then a couple other things happen. They find themselves in the upper room, and they're getting ready for the Passover feast, but there's nobody to wash the feet, but no worries because Jesus has already decided to take that upon himself. And so Jesus puts a towel over his arm, gets the basin, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. There's a pushback that occurs, especially from Peter. You can't wash me. I, uh, I'm not, you know, I should be washing you, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. And Peter says, then wash all of me. And Jesus has a little message there about how that's not necessary. But he washes their feet. And then Jesus says this in John 13, uh, verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And Jesus said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then he says these words, No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And he says, Now you'll be blessed if you do these things. So here's Jesus uh, getting ready for the cross, the crucifixion. He's had three years with the disciples. He's wrapping up that earthly ministry. And he says, he washes their feet. And then he says, Do you understand what I have done? You need to do this for one another. And that kind of opens up what we're going to be talking about um, today. Uh, I have a guest with me on stage. His name is Jed. Jed is a coach. Um, he has quite an extensive background. He was a coach in University of Sioux Falls when I met him. And now he's in Lindenwood. This is an unusual football coach uh, for several reasons, as you will find out today. Um, but Jed... Uh, loved to play football, uh, but before he became, became a football, call, football coach, he had another life. So I want to tell little, Jed, first of all, tell us a little bit about uh, your family and your, how you came to faith just quickly. Well, Greg, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me here. This is uh, good to be back together with you. And, uh, you know, he was, you were our staff chaplain for quite a stretch. I think that's when all the success really started. So, oh, yes. Yeah, your yes, contribution yes, uh, was huge. So, I saved the um, program. The, uh, well, yes, I had an interesting career. I had no interest in being a football coach. I, I uh, grew up uh, playing football. I did go on and play college football, but my life's dream was to be a, a country music songwriter and singer and uh, kind of grew up in tractors and, and uh, working in the field. My dad was a farmer. We were farmed and, 
and I just love country music and just listen to the music. So I kind of went that route, and uh, and so um, long story, because that would be a whole nother service if we talked about my my music uh, career and how it got into football. I always tell people I was such a good country singer, I became a football coach. So that should tell you how how really good I was. But no, I did. I had a fun uh, little stint. Uh, it's a it's a great testimony uh, of how God brought me from uh, from uh, country music industry. Um, had a little. Had some interesting uh, opportunities there, met a lot of people, but eventually uh, closed those doors, opened, uh, uh, brought me back home to Greeley, Colorado, um, where I uh, got reunited with my uh, high school friend. Uh, we weren't high school sweethearts, but my, we were high school friends, and my wife, Angie, and we, we got back together, just met, uh, or just got together to just kind of talk about old times, and we ended up starting a date, and long story short, I... I um, uh, married her, best decision I made in my life. And we have two um, great children. I got a son, a 19-year-old son, Gunner, uh, who's playing golf down at Southern Nazarene in Oklahoma. Just started. He's a freshman there. And um, so he just starting out. And then my daughter, Gracie, a 17-year-old um, who's uh, a senior and, uh, and, and is going to go play college basketball at Truman State. She committed to play mm-hmm. basketball there already, so she'll... She'll go on to play basketball there. So we're just really blessed. I got an incredible family, um, and God's really taking care of us in this journey. And uh, it's through the highs and lows, a little bit about what we're talking about. But uh, so that's a quick little testimony. I, you know, I came, uh, was raised in a Christian home. Um, you know, and and uh, there's a lot to my testimony. Um, you know, but uh, you know, really in college, really kind of uh, had a ch- staff ch- or a, a chaplain at, at our school at Azusa Pacific where I went to college and uh, had a, you know, we were kind of at that point where you're for- almost forced to go to chapel. You know, you're an athlete. You're just there. To, hey, we got to get so many chapels. But I remember this verse in Revelation 3.16, as this pastor was talking about, you know, uh, because you're neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I I just remember that that verse and that that whole chapel service really got to me because I'm like, that's me right now. I was, uh, I know everything to say. I was raised in a Christian home, um, but, uh, but I'm living uh, two lifestyles. I'm, I'm, I want to be accepted over here, and I, but I want to please my parents and show them I'm a good Christian boy, and, and the Holy Spirit really started working me, and I rededicated my life in college and, um, and really started to apply, you know, living in, uh, living for Him. Still made lots of mistakes like we do, but, um, you know, God's been so uh, faithful and, and has given so many opportunities, you know. So uh, a lot of highs and lows in the coaching industry is I've been uh, coached at a lot of places and, um, you know, been a part of two staffs that were fired, you know, and so that meant I'm out with the bathwater kind of thing with the head coach. And so, you know, we had some uncertain times, you know, uh, you know when they tell you got, uh, you know, just 26 days left before you, you know, your paycheck's done. I mean, you know, you it forces you to say, okay, God, what do you do with this? And every time, that's kind of how we ended up at Sioux Falls, right? um, you know, and, and just uh, understanding um, to put put your faith in him. And uh doesn't mean there's anxiety, doesn't mean there, but it's that, uh, it, it, I look back now and realize it all through all that adversity, what God did through that is, uh, and that's why I want to be an encouragement to people that might be sitting in a situation like that. Now, we're going to fast forward. Thank you for that background. Um, but you end up at University of Sioux Falls, had a pretty good year that first year, but there was an epiphany there and kind of a, a significant change that occurred. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, just took over uh, um, 
I just left the, uh, UNLV out in Las Vegas. Uh, that was one of the uh, you know, uh, times when uh, our head coach was fired, and, and we all had to go with when he got fired. And, and Sioux Falls called me, uh, said uh, I'd already gotten a, uh, taken a D coordinator job at Central Missouri and was pretty happy with that. Uh, get this phone call from the athletic director at University of Sioux Falls asking me if I'm interested in the head coaching job. And I kind of was a little hesitant because they were, you know, NAIA, and I thought, well, I'm at a Division II school. I just felt like I was in a good place for my career. But he mentioned, hey, we got one more year of NAIA, and then we're making this transition into Division II, which can have a lot of obstacles and a lot of transitions can be tough. So, But God led us there. Um, and uh, lo and behold, our last year, we, we made it to the national championship game. And... Um, you know, which was a great start, obviously, your first year, and um, but uh, it took over a great program. Um, you know, Coach Young and Coach DeBoer, the coaches before me just did a, had, had great tradition there. So we were able to kind of continue that, um, and uh, but uh, fell short in the national championship game. And I think that's really the game that probably um, opened my eyes to really what God's plan is in my life. It took a little bit of time, but that, that experience really kind of, uh, he spoke to me in a big way. Now, you told me that um, when you lost that game, you were sitting on the bus, and you were kind of angry at God. Um, but something happens there with this kind of a th- what you call a three-dimensional approach to coaching and, and uh, a text from Ephesians 4. But why don't you take a little bit uh, of what occurred there? Yeah, and I, you know, and, and if I said, I, I, it, I, I understood. I, I don't know if I was really angry at God. I think I, I just didn't understand, you know, because I felt like... Um, you know, I'm coaching biblically. We're coaching out of the Bible, biblical principles. Uh, we're coaching three-dimensionally, which I'll get to in a, in a second. But I remember, um, you know, that we were, we were a team that coached three-dimensionally. And three-dimensional uh, coaching is, is basically, um, there's two, two differences there. You want me to get to that, too, or tell yeah, the story yeah, of a... Yeah, we'll tell the story, too. In yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of share what, because I felt like we were the team that was doing what God wanted us to do. And, and it was, I would say it's an arrogant prayer. It was an arrogant frustration because I'm thinking, hey, we're doing everything, God. And the team we were playing against um, really had a reputation of doing it an opposite way. Very, uh, you know, they, did, they didn't have real, um, they coached a little bit harsher. Uh, they, you know, they didn't coach biblically like I would look at biblically. I, I felt like, you know, a little bit of an arrogance that I look back on. But I felt like, you know, Lord, you would think that we're doing it your way. Why didn't we win? I mean, that was a heartbreaking loss, and I get it. And I'm kind of doing in this crying in my, uh, crying in my milk kind of thing here a little bit. And and uh, so three days later, when we make the trip back from this loss, and I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of beat up a little bit, um, you know, hurt over the loss because I mean it just was we were so close to that. And I think a lot of it was, you know, looking back, it was a lot about me. It was a lot about ego, pride, thinking, hey, I'm the new coach here. And I couldn't deliver. And, and so I realized it was such inward thinking looking back. But, um, you know, what, what the Lord, how he spoke to me was, you know, three days later we had a kid, Matt White. Uh, Matt White was a kid that was looking at, ironically, our school and the school that we played in the national championship game. He had it narrowed down to those two. And, of course, he came on the visit because he'd already been to the other school and visited. Now he's coming to our place after the championship game. And I thought... And at the end of that whole visit, I, he was in my office with his dad, and, and I basically said, you know, well, man, I said, uh, you know, we've loved having you here. And I said, I know it makes it tough. We didn't win that game. About the time I said that, his dad kind of put his hand up to me. and He says, you know, hey, coach, but Matt wants to tell you something. 
And Matt said to me, he said, you know, Coach, hey, I want to be a Cougar. I want to come to Sioux Falls. And it just caught me a little bit off guard. And I said, really, man? I said, I figured losing that game, you know, you'd probably want to go to the other place. And he says, and the dad says, he says, Coach, well, here's the thing. When, when uh, uh, this is a lot about when I say me, our staff, how we coach, interpersonal, trans, transformational, um, three-dimensional. And so uh, he said, you know, when the TV, we watched that on television, and when the TV would pan to your sideline, I would see your coaches uh, down on one knee talking to your kids when they made mistakes, they're coaching, uh, they're, they're encouraging. You just, I just saw a calm and a peace on your sideline. And then we'd see the other, other sideline, and, and I saw when things went bad, there was a lot of yelling and screaming and, you know, uh, getting in kids' faces. And I, I said, Coach, I realized what team I wanted my son to play for. And, of course, here you're not supposed to cry in front of a, a recruit and his dad, but I kind of I, – I, it really overcame me with emotion. I, I realized in that moment, really the Holy Spirit saying, you know, see, Jed, it's not – I mean, I, yeah, I don't really care. I, I want you to win. I want you to win some, whatever, but he, that's not the purpose. I realized really what my purpose was. God called me to be a football coach. He wants us to, to do – be excellent. Uh, teach excellence, all those things, it, it, and, and we're competitive. But at the end of the day, the journey is about glorifying Christ, bringing people to Christ. And I, and I, I look at my coaching staff, that the perception that they gave to people that were watching on television, uh, coaching the way I believe God wants us to coach. And so it, from that moment on, I realized um, I don't like losing. I'm very competitive. But I know it, it's, I coach for a different purpose. And if we win some along the way, and we will coach like crazy to win, our goal is to win a national championship, and we will prepare our kids weekly. But uh, it's, it's, it's bigger than that now, ever since that experience. Through the years, you know, when I was a D coordinator, a position coach, um, you know, I was, I was reading the, the Bible one time, and I, you know, I, I just remember coming across Ephesians 4.29. And it just popped off the pages, and it said, you know, what it, what, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that that would benefit those who listen. And I realized that's a coaching verse. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a life principle verse. But for me in my, in my business, uh, when we're kind of known for coaches that are loud or screaming or cussing and you see stuff on TV and stuff in football games and gets bleeped out and coaches – I thought, man, you know, again, the Holy Spirit just saying, you know, you've got a responsibility. Whatever you speak to these kids, um, you know, make it worthwhile what you're saying. Um, I, I, a little quote that I've kind of said is, you know, kids will hang on every word you say, so give them something worth hanging on to. And every day we have that opportunity. And so, you know, our whole coaching staff, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're equally yoked. It says that in Scripture. That it, it can't just be me doing it. It's our whole organization that's coaching out of Ephesians 4.29. And that's where we kind of, we talk about three-dimensional coaching. And, and that's, um, you know, there's, uh, uh, I always say there's this umbrella of, you know, what's um, uh, transformational leadership. Uh, there's transformational, there's transactional. Uh, we believe in transformational coaching. And to get to be a transformational coach or a leader, a lot of this applies to life or in, in work and leaders and managers, and, you know, I think everybody's in a position to, to work this three-dimensional model. Uh, in, in athletics, there's always a physical uh, component, and there's a mental component. Most transactional organizations, we work on the mental side. We teach people what they're supposed to do. And there's a physical side, you know, executing that job. Um, some organizations don't 
put in the third, and that's the relational part. That's the, uh, if, from a faith standpoint, it's, our, it's the love factor. It's the, the relational part of your organization, tying, that, tying those all together. So uh, when I say tran- uh, three-dimensional coaching, it's the physical, it's the mental, but it's also the relational part um, that really makes the difference. And in, 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 in servant leadership is the whole foundation to three-dimensional coaching, which leads to being a transformational leader. So it kind of goes in that order. You shared an example that most people, if they're a college football co- or fan, you're going to make me do this. I'm going to make you do this because I, I think it's an excellent example of the difference between the two, sure. and both can be successful, but one makes a difference. Well, and and you know, I always tell people disclaimer: there's you can you can win, and uh, a corporation can win being transactional. Uh, you can win being transformational. Uh, so I don't. I, I think the story I was telling you about, it, it really is there's two of the highest predominant football programs in the country right now over the last few years has been Alabama and Clemson. Um, they're both very good examples of one's transactional, one's transformational, just by their leadership and their head football coach. And, again, both of them have each won a national championship. Uh, both of them do affect – I know they both love their players. But, uh, you know, Alabama, if you kind of watch – from afar or even if you've kind of been you know having some access within that team through people it's it's very trans transactional what i mean is you you know some leaders some coaches will say hey i've given you a scholarship um so i expect you to do these things whatever problems you have in life whatever you have an expectation to perform because i've given you this and therefore i need this in return uh dabo sweeney at at, uh, at clemson is a transformational guy Kind of has a lot of those expectations, but if somebody's having a bad day, things like that, shoot, he'll pull them over in a practice and say, hey, man, you're not the same today. What's going on? You know, hey, meet me in my office after this practice. In other words, there's a lot more of an engagement. And I, um, some coaches don't probably even know or even leaders know they're like that. They may feel like, and some of it just in the body language. I noticed uh, there was a couple pictures that I saw, um, you know, of kind of, uh, of both these programs um, kind of leading a march of support um, just on their communities uh, through some of these uh, racial uh, issues and things that have been going on in of solidarity, which was great by both the programs. But it's interesting, uh, the transformational leader was about 10 steps out in front with his team walking arm in arm, arm behind him. Again, you know, I think the intense, well, hey, I'm the leader, I'm going to be out in front showing solidarity that way. Uh, the transformational coach was uh, arm in arm in his team on the front row, walking with them together, and it just kind of shows, you know, just in that picture, a good example of transformational and transactional. Now, hopefully, we'll get the slide in. And I'm this. sorry if there's any Alabama fans. I, yeah. I, I, if that came <laughs> off negative, I don't mean it to be. It's just examples. Um, but there's a slide that, uh, that you have, this picture you have that you showed me oh, two or three years ago that I, I thought was profound. Do you want to kind of tell a little bit while it shows the difference? Yeah, and I, didn't, I, I found it, so I think a lot of people might have seen this either you know, through social media or whatever. I, I saw it a few years ago, and it just, I was like, bingo, that's the best thing people see. And it's, it's, it's obviously a, a, a boss and a manager, or a boss and, a, and it's kind of a servant leader. And the boss is um, almost like on a chariot kind of deal, and he's... He's got his finger pointing and the three guys out, three people out in front pulling a rope while he's kind of yelling, you know, hey, let's go. And, of course, the transformational or the, the uh, servant leader uh, is out 
he's, he's out in front with them pulling the rope. So it's just kind of that difference. And that, that's always a, an illustration that we use just to kind of remind all of our coaches, like, hey, you know, who are we? This is the, this is the one we want to be, transformational. I know of a story that occurred uh, when I was at University of Sioux Falls and um, uh, kind of with that slide, and it was your assistant coach, Tremaine, and, and talking about the difference between somebody who's a transactional leader or coach and how he treats the staff and how the staff responds versus transformational coach. Just want to just share, I know it's, it's a little bit hard because it's, it's one of those stories about yourself, but it also is, is very true of how you coach and lead. Tremaine told me one time, you know, he, we were talking about something. I just remember him saying, you know, to me, I said, I'm just so grateful or whatever. Um, you know, I, you guys just don't make it. I think it was kind of that conversation where it's like, hey, man, you guys, I just never see you guys like uh, never have to tell you to do things or man, I'm just blessed with this staff. You guys just because I love to empower coaches and, and let them do their thing and trust them. And he said, you know, coach, the reality is, is we we just don't want to disappoint you. Um, and that really spoke to me, and I, it, and I give glory to God for that because all it is is, is leading biblically. This has nothing to do with me. It's, 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 it's leading and coaching uh, from, the, from the best leadership book out of this Bible, and, and it goes both ways. I, I find myself um, constantly working my tail off uh, because I don't want to let my coaches down. I think that's what I love about our coaching staff is, number one, People ask us all the time, why is our team so unified? Um, you guys seem like you love each other. I've had coaches tell me uh, in games, man, you guys just look like you're together. Well, the, the, the most important uh, the start is our whole staff's together. It's not the offensive staff that hangs together and the defensive staff that hangs together. You've been around our staff. We're all together. Uh, offense, defense, we, we all have a respect and a love for each other. And the players uh, pick up on that. Organizations, uh, if there's leaders or managers, you know they're watching uh, how uh, how maybe the management team interacts with each other. If there's a if there's a divisiveness there or, or kind of a, a, f- a tension there, uh, organizations sense that, and I think that's why you know it starts with us. Because uh, I've had players tell me that, hey, coach, it looks like you guys all just really love each other. You really love hanging out with each other, and so um, yeah, that was a very uh, touching moment. But it it, it also kind of kept me accountable too that you know that coaches are looking um, at me that way and it, you know to kind of keep coaching the way God wants us to coach um, I want to give an example or give you give you the opportunity just to tell a bit about a, a moment that happened when you guys were playing Winona State and um, I believe I would, might have been that I was at that game in fact I was at the chapel that, that day at the chaplain and uh, what I remember about that game is uh, it was a tough first half and you guys came back, but I want, I want you to share a little bit about what happened there because one of the guys said after the game, you must have really bred them the riot act, and that's not at all what happened at halftime. Well, again, that's, you know, with media and, and what, you know, you see on television, you know, you just assume, or even movies, you know, it's, it's always, you know, and especially in athletics, if somebody makes, make, you know, teams in trouble or they're, they're losing, it's always a coach yelling and screaming. And, and I just, um, you know, talking about empowerment and, and – um, you know, yeah, so we, I think is the first, I mean, they, next thing you know, it's 17-0 early in the first quarter. We just had, everything went wrong. And we're, at that time, I think we were 14th in the country. We're expected to win, um, you know, and here we just, they're up 17 nothing. I think we go into halftime 17, down 17-3. And uh, so uh, we come back and win 42-17 we, or some 36 or 42-17. Long story short, in the press conference, of course, I'm asked that question. 
well, Coach, you must have really read them the riot, riot act. You, you know, must have really got after them. And, you know, I kind of laughed, and I said, well, uh, not really. I said, you know, well, Coach, what did you do? And I said, you know, I simply said, you know, guys, nothing's really gone right this first half. Um, there's some things they're doing that we didn't catch that we haven't prepared you for. So that's on us as a coaching staff. And I kind of joked around. I said, so I need you guys to bail me out of this, man. Um, you, you know, I'm you know, and, and you could just see the foam started to come out of their mouth. Like it, again, uh, it's that trusting in the fact that when you uh, humanize yourself to people that you're supposed to be leading and kind of seeing that, uh, that, uh, that it's not me da- up here and you guys down here, but we're all together. Uh, I mean, all of us, there wasn't a, a loud word in the locker room. The coaches, they were just making adjustments. You didn't hear this butt-chewing. Um, kind of mindset, and I mean, we came out, and the kids just um, just took off in the second half. It was it was probably one of our most explosive uh, halves we've ever played. But again, you know, it's it's that that model of trusting. You know, that people, you know, they're giving you everything they got. Sometimes you're just going to have a bad half, and so. But um, I just again, I think that's the power and love and accountability. One of the things we were talking about, we're talking about football and music, and then again, I come back to this uh, this thing that you talked about. Um, uh, don't hide your uh, light under a bushel piece. And would you share a little bit about that? Because I thought that's a very important thing where uh, you were watching the Grammys, I believe it was. <clears throat> yeah. Tell a bit about that story. Well, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of people watching and saying, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a football coach or, you know, how does this apply to my life? Because um, obviously we've talked a lot about coaching and leadership. But, you know, the moral of the story, we all have platforms. Um, Sometimes you might be on a, it might have a bigger spotlight. Maybe there's more people that, that see it. But in God's eyes, he's asking for us to be um, uh, presenters of his, uh, of his gospel, but also how we live our life. And I think, you know, this is the old song of, you know, don't hide your uh, light under a bushel. Um, and, and I think uh, that story you're talking about, I, I remember, again, how God spoke to me about uh, when I was in the country music industry, you know, we had had some opportunities. I had some opportunities and was uh, kind of moving. Go ahead. Tell about a little bit. You opened for some bands that people would know, so I don't want them to just think you. You're <laughs> well, we had we had some fun. We yes, we we were opening at for Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and Lone Star, and we were being able to open up for some big acts in, in some big stages. It was it was a blast. I loved it. And I remember the Grammys were on, and and um, you know one of this big artist that a lot of people know. It doesn't matter who, but I. I just remember when he went up and got his award, um, you know, he said, uh, hey, I want to thank the man upstairs because he's done a blank of a lot for me. You know, and I thought, you know, I just was like, you know, again, kind of this arrogant, judgmental, legalistic prayer to God, kind of like when I was sitting on the bus after a national championship game. And I said, you know, Lord, if you put me on that stage, um, I'll shout your name from the mountaintop. I'll say the I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for me, and kind of this um, little arrogance kind of thing. And he, when people say, hey, God spoke to me, I've always wondered, does he really speak to you? I tell you what, loud and clear, the Holy Spirit, I mean, basically went through my mind, and it said, you know, hey, what are you, you know, that's great, but what are you doing for me in the, in the bars and in the, in the spotlight um, it, it, on the small stage, in other words? Like, what are you doing for me now? You know, it, and so it, it kind of hit me like I realized, you know, you know, yeah, I'm in clubs every night playing and singing. And so, again, it's that reminder of, you know, we don't have to wait for that grand stage and a lot more people looking at us. Every one of us 
have an opportunity on a daily basis of people that are watching us. And, and so now understanding why God's called me to coach, not just to win, but how we do things because I know that we're constantly being looked at. And, and I want to always do my best. Even though we fail and we make mistakes, I want to do my best where somebody might say, hey, why do you do it this way? You know, I noticed this about your team. Why is that? And it's a great opportunity to share, um, you know, God's word with them. Thanks, Jed. You know, we, again, we were looking at this passage in, in, in John 13. We know as the foot washing uh, scene in the upper room. Um, but I, and, and what we learned that Jesus says, uh, do what it, you just saw what I did, do it for each other, which is to serve one another. And again, we see this a few chapters later in a different way, in a different time. And, and I just want to read this to you. It's from John chapter 21. And um, the story there is simply this. Uh, the disciples uh, didn't know what to do, so they're back fishing again. And, and early in the morning, it says Jesus was standing on the shore. The disciples didn't recognize that it was him. And Jesus calls out and said, hey, friends, have, in, uh, have you caught any fish? And they said, no. So I don't know if they weren't good fishermen or what. And, and Jesus says, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And they did. And uh, when they did that, it says, that the, the, um, it says this. When they did, they were unable, unable to haul the net because of such a large number of fish. And it was at that point that John says, it is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, it says he wrapped his outer garment around him himself. He had taken it off. And he jumped in the water. If you've seen Forrest Gump or <laughs> Captain Dan's there, and Forrest goes, Captain Dan, and he jumps in the water, and the boat <laughs> ends up going through the dock. And that's what Peter does. He's so excited. And he goes into shore. And this is why I want you to notice. In the upper room, Jesus washes their, washes their feet, right? And now what does Jesus do now? This is post-resurrection. He's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And what does Jesus do? It says this. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you caught. And he had a fire ready. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Jesus had, serves his disciples breakfast. Okay? Before the cross, he served them. And now what's he doing again? He served them. And the reason I bring that up is because a little bit later, Jesus gets Peter, and he says, um, he, after the, Jesus says to Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And there's a pause. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, take care of my sheep. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's interesting because I think a lot of times when we talk about leading or servant leadership, we put the, this way, we put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. It's not servant leader. We tend to say servant leader rather than servant leader. So no matter where you are, no matter what you do, the thing that we have to begin to see is that God has placed us where we are, whether it be our home, our neighborhood, our job, our school, our team, whatever team that might be. He, we are in a position to serve those that, we, that God places amongst. And one of the things that we really believe here at this church 
is what we call servant leadership, but it means just to serve. I love this verse. It comes from Romans 12, and it says this, if I can find it in my notes here. It says, Romans 12 says two things. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. And that's what we see in the story of uh, the upper room and washing the feet and what we see when Jesus uh, serves at breakfast to his disciples. We honor others above ourselves. And we know that the number one way that people know that we love Jesus, Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And Jed, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. I appreciate your heart and the way that you coach and the way that you lead. And my heart is that as a church, we would begin to have a heart to serve those that God places us with. Thanks for your appreciate time. Appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for joining us today. If you know of any needs in our church or in our community, please reach out as we want to help. You can either contact the church office or go to the service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time.